0: Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. I never take it for granted. We should never take it for granted. This opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the word today that they can use. They can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. They will be able to use what is spoken here today and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You know what, family, before we get started today, I have. Well, we've been kind of away from each other for so long. I have just a mass of Smith stories in the vault for you. Just a mass of them. And I'm going to tell you one quick one about my mom. A good thing my mom ain't here today. It ain't bad, but it's, it's all true. But she, you know, if she do hear this, she has to get over it. because it's, it's hilarious to me. My mom, the part that's not funny about this is my mom, one night, had a fall. And in having a fall, she couldn't get up. And so we literally found her on the ground the next day. So by the time we went through and we thought we might have to bust windows or whatever, she she somehow made it to the door, but we thankfully got her to the hospital and everything worked out fine. Now, here's the funny part of the story. We had a conversation with mom. It's like, mom, you know, you're in your 80s. We need to be able to have a way to, you know, if something go down, if you want to still stay by yourself, you know, you got to have a way to figure that thing out. So she ended up getting like one of those metal things, you know, and you wear around your neck and all this stuff. So here's my mama. They just got the thing installed. Now, you got to understand it comes with you got a master speaker and you have a GPS thing so if you're out and about. Well, somehow, while my mama was home, she must have hit the button. And the people came on the machine, Mrs. Smith, are you okay? My mama ran out the house. (laughs) We live in the, she live in the country, so she ran out the house and out in the house in the front yard. My mama and she's telling me all this. I, 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 I was laughing so hard, I was crying. I said, That's not funny, boy. I said, oh, mommy, I don't know about you, but it's funny to me. <laughs> mama ran out into the front yard. People calling on the speaker. Then after she out in the front yard for about five or 10 minutes, mama say, baby, I was in the front yard, and I started hearing sirens and stuff. Coming rushing through the neighborhood and I said to myself, huh, I wonder where they going. <laughs> mama say, and baby, they pulled up in my yard. I say, mama, you didn't stand in the yard and ask, huh? I wonder where they I wonder where they going. Mama say them people piled up in her yard. Miss Smith, are you okay? I say, well, at least we know it's working. (laughs) My mama say, I wonder where they going. So now she get how it works, and she hasn't made that mistake again. Loved ones, lift your Bibles up for me. Let's say this confession. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God. And shall forever be to me. My Bible in Jesus name. Amen. Ooh, family, I don't know if you had the pleasure last week, but Pastor Greta introduced you to a term influencer. And speaking to the women specifically, she let every woman know that, ladies, you are an influencer by divine design. God looked over his creation And saw that something was missing. And the solution was found in one word. Woman. So he made her. He made her to be a power an authority, a strength that was corresponding or equal to the man. Suddenly there were two people on the earth, a man and a woman, two genders, that had the ability to operate and function in the earth like God. Both with the capacity to rule, both with the capacity to dominate, both with the capacity to invoke change Tell me, how can two people with that kind of capacity, with that kind of creation on the inside of them, how can those two people lose in life? Especially being that they're children of God. Well, one way they can lose is to get wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in worry. This policy that we've been talking about, This policy tells us that we should trust in God at all times. Specifically, we read in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 in the King James Version. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. We don't want anything to do with worry. Loved ones, worry clouds your judgment. Worry ransacks your emotions. You know what else worry does? Worry worsens your physical body. Worry dampens your ability to hear the Holy Spirit. There are so many different ways that worry deteriorates you from the inside. That's why your policy says, hey, in a no worry clause, don't worry. The specifics of that clause. Reads this way. First, Peter, chapter five, verse seven in the New Living Translation. Here is the main portion of that clause. It says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Now, to help us eliminate worry from our life, we set out on doing two tasks. Observe. The first task, they'll, they'll, they'll display for you in a second, the first task was that we needed to be able to recognize when worry begins to try to rise up in us. That first task, ladies and gentlemen, is done. The second task, acquire the skills to deal with it in a manner that defeats worry and points us back to trusting God. That is where we are right now. And we began talking about that task. Number two, by introducing you to the worry two step. What we said is that worry's approach to get you tied up into a whirlwind of anxiety happens in just two steps. The first thing worry does is gets you to acknowledge a situation. After you acknowledge that sexual situation, it begins to flood your mind with negative consequences or circumstances. And as it floods your mind with those negative circumstances, what it's doing is it's trying to motivate you to operate outside of your policy. Point blank. What it's trying to do in just two steps is get you to stop trusting God. We said this about that two step. We said that the two step bounces your mind back and forth between situations and circumstances. This is your situation. Here go your circumstance. Here go your situation. Here go your circumstance. And as it bounces you back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, all this looking to do family is tear you down from the inside. It's only two steps. It's basic. It's uncomplicated, but it's very effective. Now, as we move on today in dealing with task two. Here's what I want you to know. Although it just has two steps, once worry gets you in its two step. A voice of anxiety begins to speak on the inside of you. And that voice begins to interrogate you and ask you what you're going to do. What you're going to do about this situation? What you're going to do about these circumstances? Hey, I see what you're going through. I don't know how you're going to get out of this. I don't think you can. Hey. I see everything that you're trying to get to succeed. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. I don't think you won't. I see that you're trying to win, but I think you're going to lose. Guess what? I see that you want to get to a different place, but I think you're bound where you are. I see you want to rebound, but I don't think you can bounce back. I see you want to recover, but I don't think you're going to be able to cover what you're going to do. Huh? What you're going to do. Worry will put you in a whole whirlwind of conversations. It wants to talk to you. But family. As worry begins to talk to you. And push you towards not trusting God. We need each and every one of us to know that there is one key maneuver that we need to take when worry starts to bump its gums. We need to talk back to worry. Oh, yeah. Talk back to worry. The power of life and death is in your tongue, believer. Why are you keeping that power bottled up? When worry talks to you, you talk back. When it's asking you what you're going to do, let it know. The first thing I'm going to do is stop listening to you. The power of life and death is in your tongue. Listen to this. Your policy says that God will never leave you helpless or without support. Once you begin talking to Worry, you go down in your policy and tell worry what your policies say. We already went through Hebrews 13 and five, where God says he'll never leave you helpless. He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you without support. But you know what else your policies say in Jeremiah 32? God said to Jeremiah about himself. He says, hey, is there anything too hard for me? God says, do you doubt there is anything that I'm able to do? Is there anything impossible for me? Never forget in Luke chapter 1 what the angel said to Mary when he said, Mary, you're going to have a son. Mary said, How can this be? I've never known a man. The angel said, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Worry wants to put the thought of you having a situation or a circumstance in the position of being greater than your God. But that's not what your policies say. You got to feed worry your policy. When it comes to situations and circumstances, listen to how Psalm 107 talks from your policy. I'm coming from the Passion Translation. Because the God we serve is better. Say this. Say God is better and more capable of delivering me than I can imagine. That's your God. A quick side note. When we say something like that, especially in the season that we've been in and in the season we still linger in and in the season, thank God we will come out of. When we say the words, God is able to deliver you. How does that resonate in your spirit? If many of us were honest It resonates in your spirit, shackled by doubt. I know God says that he will rescue me, but this is what I saw happen to my friend. But this was the end result. Our situations and circumstances don't change who God is, family. God is God no matter what. We are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, no matter what. Psalm 107 in our policy says this. Starting in verse one. Let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. Here's why he is better than anyone could ever imagine. Do you know that God is better than you could ever imagine? Do you believe that? He's better than anyone could ever imagine. Yes, he's always loving and kind and his faithful love never ends. God's love for you never ends. Verse three says, go ahead, let everyone know it. You got to let yourself and worry know that your God is good and that his love for you never ends. It's not just talking to worry family. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. How does God deal in situations and circumstances? Go to verse four. It says some of us once wandered in the wilderness like desert nomads. Have you ever wandered from God? That's the situation. You went astray. It doesn't matter how you went astray, but you did. What were some of the circumstances? For them, the circumstances were these continuing on. The result was starving, thirsting, staggering, desperate, filled with despair. All of those things are results. But what does verse 6 say? Read this with me. Then we cried out, Lord, help us. Rescue us. And he did. Cried out to God. Rescue us. Help us. And he did. That. Verse right there is a recurring cry in this psalm for every situation that has a circumstance. The psalmist ends it by saying, then we cried out to the Lord, help us, rescue us. And guess what? And he did. That's right. And he did. Tell me if you can hear some of your situations and circumstances in these. Verse 10 says this. Some of us once sat in darkness. Anybody have ever been in darkness? It says, it goes on to say, we were prisoners to our pain, chained to our regrets. Have you ever regretted something? Have you ever regretted something that you did? Ever regretted something that you said? Ever regretted something that happened? Sometimes regret is that thing that could be the circumstance that you can't get away from. It holds you prisoner. Regret can. But guess what? Verse 13 says, then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. Verse 17. Some of us were such fools. I've been foolish in my life. Hey, I've she 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 might not want to admit it in front of y'all, but I'm sure in her mind, my wife has called me a fool even recently. (laughs) Hey, I've been foolish in my life. But verse 19, because in 17 it says they were fools bringing sorrow and suffering on ourselves. I brought sorrow and suffering on myself before. But guess what? Verse 19 says, then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. Verse 23 says, some of us set sail upon the seas to faraway ports. Many of us take many different paths in life. We may change locations. We may do different things in our careers. That psalm goes on to say. And then suddenly things got rough. The seas got bumpy. We didn't know if we were going to make it. But hey, guess what? Verse 28 says this. Then we cried out, Lord, help us. Rescue us. And you know what he did, family? It says he did. He did. The psalmist conveys that God hears our cries. And because we know God hears our cries, no matter what our situation, no matter what our circumstance, our position is we know without a doubt that it ain't over until God says it's over. I don't care what worry says. It ain't over until God says it's over. So whenever worry talks to you. Whenever it talks to me. I know I seize the opportunity and I want you to seize the opportunity to talk back to it. Tell it to be quiet. Tell it to leave you alone. Tell it that it don't belong here. Tell it to get to stepping. Tell it that it has no place in your life. When worry steps to you, tell it to get off me. You let worry know that I am not going to put down my trust in God because of you. I want you to do this with me, family. Say this. Say, when worry talks to me, I'm going to talk back to it. Not softly, not gently. But with confidence, but with confidence. And, with and with attitude. When you tell somebody to leave you alone, they got to hear it in your tone. You can't tell where it stop now. Gone leave me stop playing now. You ever seen somebody do that growing up? They were just getting pushed around. They kept going. Stop playing, stop playing. But then you had these other people that that say, "That's your last time now." They might give you a, "All right, now stop playing," that, and then you push them one more time. They might not even say Just look at you. What they say is, that I, I told you, leave me alone now." You got to talk back to word with attitude. After you get your voice in line with talking to worry, then you move into your next step. And your next step to dealing with worry when it gets on the scene is casting that care. Now, say this with attitude. Say this to yourself. Say, cast that care. care. Yeah. Casting that care is a must take action for us as believers. And casting that care is something that needs to be understood to us as believers. I want you to look back at that no worry clause in first Peter, but this time in the King James version. Because we're going to talk through some things quickly that help us with casting these cares. First Peter, chapter five, verse seven in the King James version says this. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Loved ones, when worry comes on you, you got to cast that care. And casting that care is not just a casual action. Casting that care has a method to it. When you hear the word cast, know that casting means to grab and throw away from you forcefully. It's not a gentle toss. Casting is a grabbing and a throwing away from you. That's casting. Casting requires a refusal to sit back and let worry be your ruler. Cast that worry away. Don't let worry be your ruler. Get aggressive with worry. Don't be timid. Now, casting your cares in an effective way is a good way to deal with worry, but it has to be done correctly. Let me show you something. Because a lot of times as believers we talk about casting our cares but we do that thing all wrong. We don't do it like we're supposed to. As an illustration let's talk about a fisherman. A fisherman If you imagine the image of a fisherman casting a net into the sea. When he or she casts that net, they toss that net out from them forcefully. They go through the motion. They're really doing casting. But in their application, I want you to note that when they cast, they cast their nets with strings attached. You see, they cast their net with the intent of pulling it back. Whenever a fisherman does casting. That's what he or she is supposed to do, because their intent is to pull back what they cast away. That's not how you cast as a believer. When you cast your cares. When you cast your cares upon God, you cast your cares and you leave them there. I don't say, God, I'm going to trust you to take care of my children. And then I start pulling back like a fisherman who casts a net. I don't say, God, I'm going to trust you to get me that job I won't. And then start taking actions on your own, because in effect, you pulling that curb that worry back to yourself that you were supposed to lead to God. You don't say, "God, I do trust you with my marriage, but you know what i let me pull that back a little bit. I may have been a little bit too early on that casting right there <laughs> God, I believe you can prosper me, but you know what i You know, let me go and get that back. I I think I cast that a little too early. We don't cast like a fisherman. When we cast our cares to God, we cast them and we leave them there. I want you to look back at your no worry clause this time in the Amplified Classic. Verse seven, it says this casting the whole of your care. Hey, look at this. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. God says in his word that you are to cast all, say all, all not part of your anxieties, all not part of your worries, all not part of your cares on him. And it goes on and says, by the way, when you cast them, leave them there. Don't just cast them the next Tuesday. Don't just cast them until you get worried again. Don't cast them and then look over God's shoulder and say, you done with that, God? We don't cast with strings attached. When you cast, you cast it all and you leave them there. What about our no worry clause in the passion translation? It reads this way. Put all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares For you. Say this with me. Say put all. Your anxieties. Your worries. And your concerns. In God's hands. And leave them there. With no strings attached. When you cast. You cast with no strings attached. Look back at. First, Peter, five and seven on the passion in the passion. I want to point out two words that it uses here. Once again, it says, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. That verse identifies two items. It identifies worry and it identifies stress. Those two items are different. Let's talk about quickly how, they're di- how they differ, at least in, in this simplified country boy's mind. Look at this diagram. Now, we've talked about worry in, in, in detail. And for those of you who want to know more, worry two-step, all of that stuff. Go back into the series and you'll find it and they'll bless you. But notice this image. One side says worry and the other side says stress. We know. From what we've already discussed, that worry, that thing festers in the mind. And worry can be about something real, but it don't have to be. Worry can be about circumstances and situations that haven't even shown up yet. Stress, loved ones, that thing manifests in the body. Generally, a person will will tell you, you know, psychologists and people that do all this kind of stuff, real smart people, they will tell you that stress is generally pinpointed to or pointing at an actual event or circumstance, something real. But it don't have to be. I don't care how many papers they say that in, you ain't going to tell me I've never stressed over something that wasn't real. Now, I agree that generally that may be the case. But stress doesn't have to be on something real. But one thing is for sure. They always say stress has an identifier It's called a stressor. A stressor. But that thing manifests in the body. Now, here's the country boy, probably oversimplified rationale of the difference between stress and worry. Here's how I say it in my head. Stress is worry that's become physical. Stress is worry that's become physical. And let me give you some examples. Let's take the same situation Let's say there's something going on with your business or on your job It's just something that's concerning. On the worry side. You might be so mentally consumed that you can't think straight. You might be so mentally consumed that guess what you can't even sleep. That same situation, though, what about stress? Under that same situation, your blood pressure may be 180 over 140. Under that same situation, you may get nosebleeds. Under that same situation, you may have chest pains. Under that same situation, you may get an ulcer. That's stress. Worry festers in the mind, but that stress, that monster right there, that is worry that has turned physical. And your no worry clause said you need to pour out all your worries and stress on God. When you transfer your worries to God, that's a thought transfer. You transfer all the angst and anxiety running through your mind on God. And in exchange, the God who loves you gives you peace beyond compare. When you transfer that stress. (laughs) That's a pressure transfer. And when you transfer that pressure on God, he bears your burdens and in return, he gives you holistic healing. Now whether you transferring your worry or whether you transferring your stress, in any regard, you need to transfer them to God without any strings attached. Whether you are transferring your worries or your stress or your anxiety or whatever it is, you transfer them to your God and you leave them there. Do this with me. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because 1 Peter is not the only place in your policy that talks about casting cares. 1 Peter, see me, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 4. It also speaks about casting. I want to read that out of the voice translation because I think it makes the instructions clearer. This is the one where it talks about in the King James that you cast down imaginations. But here's how the voice says it. Verse four, the weapons of war we're fighting. Are not of this world, but are powers by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against his truth. We are demolishing arguments and ideas, every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. Here we go, family. We are taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion and subduing them into obedience to the anointed one. To deal with worry, you got to take prisoner of every thought. You got to take prisoner of every emotion. And you have to drag that thing into your policy and force it to bow down to the word of God. We're talking about dealing with worry. Go to Matthew chapter six, starting in verse thirty one. In the voice translation. Because Jesus is going to supply supply us with other insights on how to deal with worry. Because all worry wants to do is put you in the mental space and get you caught up in a whirlwind of anxiety. Jesus says this in Matthew six, verse thirty one. Do not consume yourself with questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? What is Jesus saying there? Don't consume yourself with questions. Don't get your mind into that negative narrative do loop. That what if loop? What if this? What if that? What if this? What is that? What if that? Don't get yourself in that headspace. What else does Jesus say? Same chapter. This time, the Passion Translation, verse 34. Jesus says, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Say this with me. Say, I refuse to be a worry ward. Jesus says, refuse to be consumed with worry. Deal with your situations as they come one day at a time. Do not let worry put you so far in the future that you are consumed with things that haven't even happened yet. Yes. Look at verse 33 in the Passion, same chapter. Jesus says, so above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Check this out, loved ones. Jesus says right here, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom, constantly chase after God. In other words. If you are in such hot pursuit of God all the time, you don't have no room in your mind and in your heart to be consumed by anything else. You understand how that is. Instead of being consumed with worry, why don't don't you be consumed with God? As a matter of fact, I'll even say it like this. Why don't you lose yourself in God? And I mean, lose yourself in a good way. You understand what it's like to be lost in something. Have you ever been so engulfed in something that everything else just kind of faded away into the background? Have you ever been so involved in something that you, you know, lost track of time? Have you ever heard a couple say that they got lost in each other's eyes? Well, family, lose yourself in God. Lose yourself in God and find out who you really are. Lose yourself in God and find the peace that you're looking for. Lose yourself in God and find the joy joy that you're looking for. Lose yourself in God and listen to this. Lose the worry. If you lose yourself in God, that means that you are in alignment with your policy and trusting him completely with all of your heart. And when your heart is completely and totally flooded with just God himself, there is no place in your heart and mind for worry. As it relates to worry specifically, I want to drop one more thing on you. And it's something that Jesus said. And the reason I'm compelled to tell you what Jesus said is because what Jesus said is 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 so. It's so profound. It's basic. It's. It's 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 so simple, but it's profound. And the reason why I want to tell it to you is because if somehow you can get your mind wrapped around the rationale that Jesus is going to present to you, what it does is it takes emotion out of the equation when you're looking at situations and circumstances and taking your emotions out of it is not what worry wants. Worry does not want you to take your emotions out of it because worry feeds on your emotions. Your emotions give it strength. When worry can get you in your emotions, it can take control. When worry can get you, as they say, in your feelings, it can get you to do stuff that you shouldn't do. When worry can get you in your feelings, you can open your mouth and spew out mess you shouldn't say. When worry gets you in your feelings, you will be like a bunny and jump and do stuff that you're not supposed to do. Worry wants to control you, but to do so, it needs you to get in your feelings. And what Jesus is getting ready to tell us is something that's so simple, so pragmatic, so direct that if we can get our minds wrapped around it, it takes the emotions out of it. And when your emotions come out of it, it dismisses worry immediately. What does Jesus say that's so simple? You've probably read it before, but this is in the voice translation. Listen to how Jesus break this down. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 26 in the voice. As a matter of fact, let's read it together. On the count of three. One, two, three. If worry can't change anything, why do you do it so much? Loved ones, if worry can't change anything, why do you do it so much? Oh, that's a very mature mindset there. To tell yourself when you look at something that, listen, I know I can't handle this. And it is something that God got to take care of. So worry, loo. bye-bye, farewell. If I can't change it by worrying, I'm not going to do it. Jesus says, if you can't change, if worry can't change anything, why do you do it so much? Say this with me. Do not, do not worry about things you cannot change, you cannot change or, do or do not control. Family, that's just sound advice. Do not get so consumed with worry. And for all of my mature, my mature saints, if worry can't change anything, why you do it so much? That concludes our task number two work task number two work. What are four things I want you to grasp from that at a minimum? If you elect to go by go back and review, I'm sure you'll pick out other things. But what are the four things at minimum that I want you to take from what we've talked about? Here they go. Number one. Get aggressive with worry and cast it away from you. Number two, cast your worries and stresses on God with no strings attached. Number three, keep your conscience fixed on God. Number four, do not worry about things you cannot change or do not control. Loved ones, if you go back. And you apply in your everyday ordinary life the various things that we have learned and heard concerning worry. If you apply those in your life, I am, I am I'm confident that you will be in a position to where you can dismiss worry out of your life. And get back to where you want to be. And that's trusting God completely. Last thing together. Say this with me. Without a doubt. God. Does not want me. Living. A life. Of worry. So I declare. I'm going to do. Everything I can. To align with my policy and not worry at all. <laughs> I love you so much. That's a wrap. We'll see you next time. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we know you're always there. You're always with us. No matter what it looks like around us, you're always there and you're always with us. Give us the understanding that that is the case. Also, God, you have given us your word for wisdom. You have given us your Holy Spirit for wisdom. Jesus says that he came to give us everything that pertains to life and godliness and that we should we should we should have life to the full until it overflows. There's so many things that Jesus and our policy and you and everything that has been stated concerning who we are, that that's good stuff that we should lay hold of and not let go. But there's something that you also said in your word, and that is that we should not be carrying around worry. So I pray that we do our part to cast all of our worries and all of our stresses and all of our concerns, all of our anxieties on you. You're built to handle it. We're not. And I thank you for the peace that comes from casting our cares on you with no strings attached. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you. Not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. But we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.